Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I had an amazing conversation with Morgan Lander and S.J. Jones about Kitty Pig. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! Welcome to the Punk Rock and Beer Podcast. What's up, everybody? I am Finn McKenty. This is the Punk Rock NBA Podcast. Today's guest is the one and only, a true legend, a hardcore legend in every sense of the word, Danny Diablo, a.k.a. Lord Ezek. You may know him from, oh, I don't know, his little Twitter beef with the guy from Trapped or one of 900 million urban legends you may have heard on the Bridge Nine board or something like that or for his work as an artist with bands like Crown of Thorns and Scarhead as a solo artist and rapper under the name of Danny Diablo. He also did a project with Jamie Josta called Ice Pick. He's got another band called Death Star Inferno that's pretty cool. That's D-E-F-S-T-A-R Inferno. He's got a clothing company. He's been doing some acting. The guy's a workhorse. And he's also made a lot of music that I really like a lot. And that's kind of really what I wanted to focus on in this interview, because I think, you know, the music with him, I think kind of sometimes gets lost in all the urban legends and the fact that he has such a, you know, entertaining, big personality. So we get into some of that stuff, but got to talk about a lot of music stuff that I've been wondering for the past 20 years or so, because I've been a big fan of everything he's done since I first got the crown of thorns 12 inch back in 95 or whenever that came out so we talk about all those artists talk about kind of the early roots of dms as a graffiti crew back when like graffiti and hardcore and metal and punk were all kind of mixed together back then in that era of new york and kind of what that was like and how that informed who he is and how he's operated and about some other stuff like me trying to get him on love and hip-hop a scam dust reality show It's as entertaining as you might expect from Danny, but it's also very insightful. You know, he is a thoughtful, sharp guy. He, I think, you know, he knows how to entertain people, but he's a sharp guy. He's been around the block a little bit. And so we get into that side of things too, which I find really enjoyable. So hopefully you like this one as much as I did. Before we get into it, I wanted to mention a couple ways that you can support the show if you are so inclined. Number one, the best thing you can do is just to share it on social media tag me tag the guest you know the platforms don't really do a great job of surfacing shows so that actually helps us a lot other thing you can do is buy some merch if you are so inclined there's a link to that in the show notes i've got a bunch of stuff that's relatively new and some new stuff coming soon or if you really really like us you can support us on patreon it is because of the people on patreon that we are able to do the show at all i pay for this all out of pocket and it's the folks on patreon who make that happen so thank you very much for that they get every show a week early there's a members only discord that i'm in i started doing patron only q a's There's also a way to have me review your music or video or artwork or podcast or anything else that you would like me to check out. So if that sounds cool, you can do that at the link in the show notes. We are doing a little co-promotional swap with my good friend Ray Harkin's show, 100 Words or Less. So the object of this ad read is for you to go listen to his podcast, which I sincerely think is great. 
I've known him for a very long time. I've been on the show, and essentially, it is an interview show where he sits down with people from independent culture, records the results of these conversations, and puts them out for you. Some of the people who have been on the show include Will Putney from Fit for an Autopsy and producer extraordinaire, Toby from Emory, Chadwick Johnson of 100th, Joe Taylor from Knuckle Puck, and many, many more. You get the idea. If you are into the bands that I talk about on my channel, then you're going to love the kind of stuff that Ray talks about. He is one of those genuinely nice, pleasant people that I have ever known. I really can't say enough good things about Ray. And he's been doing podcasts longer than pretty much anybody I know. So he's put a lot of time into this, and it's a good show. I think you should listen to it, which you can do at the link in the show notes. Or you can go to the podcast platform of your choice and search for 100 Words or Less, the podcast, with your host and my good friend, Ray Harkins. So check out the show, and hopefully you will like it as much as I do. And with that out of the way, let's get into this episode. Danny Diablo, welcome to the podcast. I know you as Ezek, but you are now Danny Diablo. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You've transformed. So, well, tell me, uh, what, what have you been up to the past couple months? Are you in, in New York again now? Or are you Where are you at now? I moved to uh, Jersey City. Oh, okay. I'm in Jersey. So that, that's, uh, that's what that's called karma for my whole life. But talking <laughs> back on all the white trash in Jersey City and, and Jersey, and now I'm living in Jersey. So I mean, you lived in Cleveland, too. So Oh, God, I lived in Cleveland. I still got great, a whole bunch of friends out there. In Cleveland, and but you know what? I'm on the East Coast. I'm only 12 minutes away from Manhattan, so I'm good. So my rent is half the half the rent it would be in Queens. Yeah, I lived in Montclair for a little while, so not too far away. Well, so what have you been up to for you know? Obviously, nobody's playing any shows. What have you been doing for the past year? So for the past year, I've just been pushing my clothing line, the New York Hardcore Streetwear, Hardcore Streetwear. So been doing that. I've been uh, pushing my web store. I've been doing arts. I do canvases. This year, I would have been going all over the world with the movie I did called Priceless, and uh, it's a short film, and we won six awards. I saw on your story the other day, you were doing some uh, acting, and I don't know if it was a music video or whatever that was. That was for R.A. the Rugged Man's new video with Coogee Rap. Oh, wow. A Master Killer and Ghostface Killer, and um, I basically came down there. Peter Green and I and Joe Fado were, I was uh, one of Peter Green's henchman. He was like the mob guy. And I was like his uh, his henchman. Cool G-Rap, one of the greatest to ever do it. The greatest to ever do it. And he's from Queens. And me and G-Rap were talking about growing up. We grew up in the same neighborhood, border, same neighborhood, Corona and Jackson Heights. So it's cool. Cool. Well, I'll be excited to see that. Well, my, my first question is, why have you never had a reality show? I feel like you should be on Love & Hip Hop. So check this out. I'm going to make you laugh. Uh, Years ago, uh, Don Caprio, who was my manager at one time, he was supposed to do a, a, a big uh, reality show. It was me, Rick Thorne, mm -hmm. Triggs, Chucky from DGAF, from, from the West Coast. And it was supposed to be tattooed people. Oh, Queen Esther. You know what I mean? Like, like Chucky's baby mama. It was supposed to be at the, that uh, tattooed people, like who are like tattooed people and uh, different lifestyles, but we all have families. Okay. And um, it, it, then we went to, it, it went to everywhere and it went to this big, uh, I forgot what company was, they, they picked it up, but it, then it went right to, they're going to go get it signed by MTV, but they were like, nah, this is too crazy. That was like 2010. Got it. Yeah. And right now, I, I was right before this whole uh, 
pandemic, I was working on a reality show, Danny Diablo's Fantastic Voyage. They would put us into a custom van, like a camper, and we'd go all over the United States and eventually the whole world, me and Scam Dust as my co Oh, God. Oh, that's why I said, oh, God. <laughs> so, so it had been, and, and my thing was, we'll go to every city, and the city it'll be for alternative lifestyles, extreme sports, whatever, just for, for people like us. So I would go to the best, and we'll pull in the city the best record shop for the digging in the crates, or the best punk rock venue, or the best skate park. You mean, we, we go up, then we go to a show, we play a show, and it would be like, me performing with, with Scarhead, whatever, and it'll be uh, the new band, the new Jack bands to, to perform, us, then the old school band. So three, 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 three so it was to show the difference of generations and all that stuff. It was cool. And right now, everything's dead, but I, I'm definitely talking to people about doing that. So I think it, it would be great, and it would definitely have to be for a channel, you know, that we could curse and talk and make laugh, and it won't be censored that way. So I think it could be big. If it doesn't work out, just get on Love and Hip Hop, get Soldier Boy on there. You and Soldier Boy on Love and Hip Hop. That's what I need to see. Everyone can talk, say everything about Soldier Boy, but when I watch him speak and it's live, I can't stop laughing. <laughs> he's hilarious. He's, he's insane. Yeah, he's but but he's brilliant. He knows exactly what he's doing. Yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. That's what a lot of these people don't understand about. You understand right now, it's a whole different process when you're doing, you're working with corporations and working like to get that quota and all that. So people aren't dumb, you know, especially they wouldn't be going that far. I mean, it, and if, if it's not him, his manager's very smart. Yeah. Well, I got a lot of questions because, you know, I'm a Scarhead and Crown of Thorns super fan. I've been accumulating questions for a good 20 years. So I want to get into some, some, some deep shit that people may have not heard about. But first, we got to give them a little bit of what they want. We got to give them a little bit of drama. Tell me, uh, tell me about Mr. Trapped. Did anything ever come of that, or did he kind of realize he didn't want that smoke? Yeah, you know what? This is this is the crazy thing about people. The trap guy definitely something is a little something's loose. Uh, people say he's not relevant, but I, I don't think that is. I think think that he was a no. He's not well. Yeah, not well. I'm not a political person, and and my thing is like um who I am, but, you know, people say, like, I'm in the spotlights, kind of, it's, so people are going to change your ways, I understand that, and, and remember, talk to people, but I never was that person, I, like, I talk how I feel, I'm not this way, that way, you know, like, I, like people get mad, I, I said something political, when I had the whole capital thing, have this one time, I think, and I could not believe the people, what they were saying to me, <laughs> I was like, yo, it was just a, a thing, you know, people were like, oh, the you stand for the government. I was like, guys, man, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not, I don't know what to say to you guys. I'm just telling you how, like, you know, everyone knows the, the whole Trump thing was crazy and everything. And I, I know people who were friends of mine and they voted for Trump and people friends of they didn't. And these yeah. people are fighting over stupid shit. I'm like, no, they can't. They're, they're, both of those guys, signs, you don't make a difference. You know, they're, they're gonna, people are going to get voted in no matter what they are. All these companies, all the pharmaceutical companies, all these House of Representatives—all—they're all being money under the table. So it's whoever has the most money. Stop! It's like letting them control your life and the way you think is just giving them exactly what they want. Yeah, and, and I'm, I'm like, I'm like, oh, they get so mad, and I was fighting with dudes who are big bands, and, they, and I cannot <laughs> believe they—they they were like, couldn't see, like, hey, listen, I'd be like, oh, those dudes were uh, are Nazis that were in the in the, the house. They're like, no, they were yeah. the or BLM. I'm like, listen, I don't care what the fuck they were. But those dudes in there had Nazi tattoos. Right, right. To be fair, I think a lot of people may, you know, because like you've talked about in some other interviews, 
you know, Nazis used to be a thing in the scene, and that was a long time ago. So maybe they just don't know what they're looking at. You know what I mean? Yes, a lot of people don't know. Like I, I was really hurt when I saw like the. I got friends who who are professors, so they're, they're ones like, "Yo, listen to me. Listen, I'm a, I'm a street dude. So I got dudes from all over. I got I got dudes that that, that I used to beat with, and they were ex ex hammer skins and ex this like that. Right. And they and they and those were the ones that showed me the pictures. What's going on? Yeah, like, this, yeah. This they were talking about. Yeah. So don't tell me I don't know. You mean? Right, <laughs> right. Listen, freedom of speech. There's uh, repercussions. Do you understand? Right. I always tell people that. You're like, I. It's like it's like this. People get mad at me, but the, this, the United States' freedom of speech means a lot. People have died for that. You mean? Well, it is. It's like also there's certain things you can't do. Like I, my, my girlfriend would be like, "No, I can dress the way I want to dress. I can look the way I want to dress. I know it's your, your your body. Look at things." But if you're, you're going to tell me you're going to go jogging in Central Park and after after midnight, you're a fucking moron. <laughs> right. You can do whatever you want, but, but I'd rather Wait, you did. I know what's going to happen to you. Don't say yeah. nothing. Right? This is the world. You got to be smart. Right. That's all. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's kind of interesting hearing, like, one of my best friends is Israeli. And uh, it's interesting, you know, hearing people, and, you know, you're, you're Jewish. So to have someone tell you not to worry about it, that there's, you know, Nazis in the White House is a little bit of a different dynamic. Listen, I'm a, I'm a proud Jew. It's, it's crazy. I was brought up Orthodox. You know, my mother's Puerto Rican and Jewish, and my father's was a straight Jewish. But I'm saying my mother's Puerto Rican black. You know, so it's like I'm also mixed too. I'm black and fucking Puerto Rican. I'm Jewish. I got all cultures. So when I say something, it's, it's like I tell people, I'm like, yo, like, it's, it's this, it's this common sense. And I don't like like that. People would, would get mad at me, and I was like, yo, dude, listen. If I have, they're like, why don't why why would the cops stop me the riots? I was like, yo, I I, I don't know. I I, I have my yeah. own problem paying my rent. You know what I, mean? <laughs> I belong to a, a family that you know about. And, and and that's and we have some street politics. I mean, even if it's wrong or right, I gotta believe in what my people are doing. You know what I mean so it's beyond that. And when I think when people get older and have, when you're young and you're into punk rock and and hardcore, and you're like you're 16, you have angst, you get and you want to defy your parents. I understand. You know I mean? you don't understand. You you don't know. You're just mad. You gotta get that out. But when you have a relationships and you've been through uh, stuff that. Growing up, been through, and you got to pay rent, and you got uh, you have a kid. You understand life is different, so you got to be like, whoa! And the young kids not gonna understand that. Yeah, a lot of the trivial shit about you know record pressings and stuff like oh that. Oh my god! You know. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I don't know, you know, colored vinyl and all that. Well, let's go back because I got I have a, a lot of questions, uh, kind of going from the past to the present. So I'm pretty sure that the first thing I got that you were involved with was the Trainyard Blues 12 inch back in '94, whatever that was, um, which was not what I was expecting. I thought it was going to be like you know bulldoze, like kind of like like moron mosh music, right? Like yeah, which which I love. I mean, I love that stuff, but yeah, no, me too. I'm saying like it's like Terrazone, and it's kind of weird actually. Trainyard Blues is a, a kind of a weird record. It's so it's basically rush with hardcore lyrics. Yeah, yeah. It's very, it's very rush experimental, but also like in touch with your feelings. You know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of it's kind of emo. It's very emo. It's very yeah. very hard. It's so people bug out at me, and that's the first time I ever went to the studio and sang. I never sang before. Never did anything, and I was like, I was dealing with a lot of stuff in my life. My brother. My brother just killed himself, and I didn't know how to deal with it. I mean, so I remember writing the lyrics. I, I, we would go to the studio, me, Mike Dijon, Franklin, and Demi. I would come home and put the bath on. Put the how emo this is right now. I'd make a bath, a hot bath, and I sat down. Bubble bath. Bubble bath. 
hot lamp. And my mother like, yo, what are you doing? It was fucked up because remember, uh, you don't know about this, but my brother killed himself with my father's gun in the bathroom, shot, blew his head out, put it right in his eye. And I remember walking into my house and my father was in the, like, kicked the, like, pushed the door open because I was, uh, I was, in, I was in Long Island at my ex-girlfriend's house, uh, Anthony for Killing Time, sister's house. And I could have, they told me to come home, but they didn't tell me what happened. So I came home and they're like, yo, David killed himself. And I went to the bathroom. My father was the hardest man in the world. He basically uh, turned around and he's he scraping my brother's brains off the floor, off oh the wall, or a brillo. And I was like, he looked at me. My father never cried, never did anything. He looked at me and goes, he goes, why, why? I walked into my, into my uh, room. I played disintegration the whole time, over and over from the cure. So I played disintegration and just crying and rocked in my sleep. You mean? And, uh, and, uh, it was a snowstorm, a vicious snowstorm of the day, and the body was fucking stuck in my brother's body was stuck in my house for twelve hours. Oh my god! Yeah, so deal with that. I had to go outside, bring it out. You know, it was it was crazy, but you know what? I miss my brother. I love my brother. I don't, I don't believe in that suicide thing. That you, he's not in, in heaven, whatever. He was a, one of the sweetest guys. Didn't even curse my brother, and uh, he was he was a great artist. His life was he took his life. Too, it was too young, and I knew for when he when he killed himself, I knew deep down inside. And they said, come home. I know what they said. I said, what, David killed himself? I knew it. I knew that he wasn't going to be, he was a part, he wasn't supposed to be on this earth this that long. How weird is that? Well, I guess that explains a lot about where your head was at when you're making that record. Yes, yes. Got it. What do people think of that? Because it seems like it was, I mean, there's really nothing else that sounded like it back then. You had to understand where I'm from. But the thing that really freaked people out, we would show up to play the shows and they didn't know how we looked and we were from you know queens you know yeah mike design now the nice little yoga and the thing he was a right. white trash warrior he looked like frankenberry <laughs> so he was like all crazy astoria park white trash and he had a whole white trash crew so then it was demi who played you know, the greek demi from over there so it was great then franklin from jackson heights he was a korean but he looked he was dark as hell so we we would show up and people, and we would be like, oh, dressed the way we are. They were like, who are these fucking hip hop kids? Like, I walk right, in, right. and they couldn't understand, like, oh, they, you know how kids were back then. They were like, oh, he's a wigger. And so I'm like, wigger? Right. What the fuck's a wigger? I'm from Queens. I'm like, the fuck? <laughs> yeah, it's this weird thing. You know? And we and we'd go, and no matter where we went, I, I know that it was like, especially out of state, that our bouncers used to just be, you know, try whoever. And now it's crazy. I would roll with my people, my neighborhood, you know what I mean? So Craig Satari said, I ruined New York hardcore when I brought my neighborhood to the hardcore shows. Shout out to Craig. So, you know, bouncers would be from that town, that little town where they're from, and they would get, get mad because we had all the girls, all the, all the, we were getting big, we, people were loving our music. So by the end of the night, I was like breaking like two two bouncers' noses. It was, it was odd, you know what I mean? I mean, I know you guys would play, you know, in central Pennsylvania or something like that. And I can imagine they didn't know what the fuck to think about that in 96 or whatever. You know, it's funny when I see that, like, all the old Allentown kids out there, we always, like, I see Jules Jordan, we start laughing, they're all fans. Even the white power dudes were like, yo, you got you a great. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, later on, it's just like people have different ideals and things. And, you know, you respect me when I'm here, and I respect you. And that's it. I'm not saying nothing to you. Just send it off. You don't say nothing to me. And and this this is back then, I didn't know, but it's a business. You know, right. Touring and now it's like now I go on tour. I, I, I'm really focused on playing the show, getting my money, selling merch, and leaving the fucking place so I don't get caught up in the stupid. Yeah, yeah. The next thing that uh, I got was the Scarhead EP, the the very first one. Drugs, money, sex. 
Yeah, it's it seemed like that was kind of a joke. Is that true? So basically, they wanted to do do some crowd throwing stuff. I was like, yo, let's do something like with the Starhead, you know, like do something else. So so we just we were we went to record these these songs, and and somehow Jimmy Gestapo gave me a uh, like fifty hits of mescaline, but it was in a it was in a Marlboro Newport fucking uh, cigarette of cellophane. And I was like, it was smashed, it was crushed. So I didn't think it would do anything. I don't know my mind back then. I licked the whole fucking bag with me and Bundy Bloods. We we're driving around for two hours in Jersey to find the big blue meanie back in the day. And we're talking on a, on a fucking payphone just back in the right, day. Right. Like, he's like 94, 94. We're talking like, yo, uh, we, we're lost. I'm like, I'm, I don't know what to do. I'm 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 high on masculine. I give the Bundy. Also, he'll be like, yes, he's high on, we're all high on masculine. You know, then we we went there and we did our thing, but it was like it was really cool because, like, on that EP, we got uh, Jimmy from Maxwell Penalty singing uh, Game is Over, which has, he has one of the best voices in the world. And he was like, his comeback when he just got out of jail. Deep Down was the second vocalist. Basically, Deep had to leave because he couldn't leave the, 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 the country because he, he's a Russian and his uncle does things and he's pretty much got family. So, and he, he, I haven't seen Deep in 20 years. He just got divorced and now we hang out every day. <laughs> But it's like, we're laughing. Like, I'm like, yo, you know that you're part of New York Hong Kong history. And he starts laughing. Right? It was good, though. Like, it was it was like, obviously, you guys were having fun with it, but it's a good record. Yeah. You know what? This is why I say this. Uh, Crown Thorns are for the people who love, like, Gorilla Biscuits, uh, Quicksand, Shift. Yeah. Post-hardcore. You know what we talking right. about? And I love Quicksand. It's one of my favorite bands in the world. You know what I mean? But some people like Tool. I'm like, Quicksand is, is the... Two with, with, with like East Coast with balls, you mean? Yeah. So, but I'm saying Scarhead is mostly people want to get drunk and fight and get rowdy, <laughs> but sing along when we belong, like, oi, we do, we do Sky, we do everything together. And it's like anthems, you mean? Yeah. Crowd Wars is big and we play it, but sometimes we'll play and people just like stare at it. Like, like, like they're really the lyrics and stare. But Scarhead, as I like, it's like we'll light up in Europe like five thousand people at one time to go crazy like Slayer. You right. Mean? So right. I, I love doing both, man. It's it's both amazing to me. Right? So that EP was good, but like Kings of Crime took that and was like that, but done much much better. You know, you guys obviously put a lot more effort into it. Really innovative. And I think people maybe don't give it the credit it deserves for being just like very musically, you know, experimental and interesting. And like, they're just really good songs. And, you know, you have a big personality and I feel like that, you know, almost in some ways uh, overshadows the fact that the music is actually really good. Hey, you don't have to thank you. Thank you so much for saying that. You know, it's like, uh, but it's also, I think that Scarhead, we could do a lot. Like people that don't like going out of the box. Like, like this, right. I'm gonna say it right now, it's there's bands like the who are friends of mine. Like, like there's bands like Grilla Biscuits, Madball. They do the same thing. Like, I love them best. I mean, Madball can't do a ska song. That's just not what Madball does. They don't venture outside of the box. But with Scarhead, we're like, let's try something new. But I thought that it's like. When I did Scarhead and you know, and when we did the like the hip hip hop influence lot, when I listen to like old hip hop mixed with hard uh, metal hardcore, it's always done corny. You know what I mean? Yes, so it's like, terrible. It's like, it just look, it looked like there's two different worlds. They don't like each other. It's usually like rock dudes trying to do rap, and it's fucking terrible. And it, it was just like it just felt like it wasn't uh, organic. So, but when we did it, you know, like people don't understand where where, where I'm from and where, and where we do like. Growing up in Queens, like, to me, growing up in Queens and getting through life, you can do anything. I mean, so I'm, uh, it's like I've been people try to kill me like a few times, and it's, it's 
And I, I every time it happened, every time I got stabbed or 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 shot at or or whatever, I always knew that I was gonna live and 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 do my music. And, and, and it's so crazy. I'm not doing me like like a Superman, but it's like I knew that I have a a higher purpose pur- purpose in life. And, and I know that whenever I'm like uh, the this music industry, this whole thing, sometimes you're like, but I'm not getting paid like that. I'm gonna work construction full time now. Fuck this! And you know, all of a sudden, someone hit me up and be like, "Hey, your music changed my life. I was gonna kill myself." And I was like, damn, you must be really fucking low if you my music fucking. You must be on the edge. You know what I mean? So, but, but I'm glad I can help you. Ice you picks mean? saved my life. <laughs> like, you know how it is? Sometimes I'm look, when I used to, Jamie Hapri used to manage me. And I used to, we used to be everywhere together. He was at his all time low when he managed me. So we would do Ice Pick. He was just crazy. So one time, I was like, <laughs> I was like, I, I was going to hate read that aspect. And all of a sudden, I was like, how do you deal with this shit? They're worse than Slayer fans. They're like, yeah. they're, they're like, me, man. And he's drunk. And he's like, I, I, now I know why he's like, he's always in shock. His face. James like, he's been <laughs> with that shit all the time. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, talk, talk a little bit about where you came from. And I guess in particular, well, I, here, I'll tell you a story. And, and you can tell me what you think about this. So I went to the tour that was like obituary and kiss it goodbye and still suit in like 96 or 97, I think. And it was all metal people. And me and the girl I was dating at the time were kind of just standing there awkwardly by ourselves. And some guy comes up to us and he's like, hey guys, how's it going? And we're like, who is this guy? And he's like, oh, uh, my name's Manny. I'm in still suit. I just wanted to talk to you guys because you're the only people here that aren't wearing death metal shirts. Yeah. Yeah. And so he was talking to me about like, uh, I guess I guess he's from Queens or whatever. And he was talking to me about, you know, the old days of DMS as like a graffiti crew and kind of, you know, talking to me about that. Can you kind of tell me about what that was like, you know, and say like the mid to late 80s or whatever and you know, that combination of like graffiti and punk and hardcore and metal that you just don't really see anymore? Yeah, listen, uh, in our neighborhood, Jackson Heights, I forget the guy's name, but so we were, the, DMS started as a graffiti crew. So Dear Oglesby, straight from fucking Dublin, Ireland, started it. So all these people talk about crazy gangs and everything. The yeah. Irish guy and, and Scotty Banks, both of them, a, a black guy, started the crew. So that's how it started. First, like, so we were like, so we're all mixed with Jackson Heights. So we did our thing, me, Hoya, MQ for Corona. We were getting like, I met those guys in 87 and we became best friends. But the thing is, I'm from the, from the neighborhood, me and MQ were writing graffiti. And when you write graffiti, it's always against other people because whatever your friends and some, sometimes shit is wrong. You, you might, oh, you went over by accident. But we were having beef for everybody in Queens. It was like, it was like, I remember one time, me and fuck me, me and Hoyer outside, <laughs> and uh, also I'm standing there. I'm, I'm eating a sandwich, uh, pizza. And all of a sudden, uh, TA seven guys, the kid, guys I grew up with, came out of the car and they start shooting at me. Bop, 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 bop. What's up, DMS? And I'm standing there, and the, the Mexican guy is drunk next to me. These drunk uh, Mexican laborers were like drunk in front of me. But they both got shot, and I was, I was like, oh shit! And I was like, oh shit! I was still standing there. And I was like, yo, man, you're right. And I was like, I'm out. <laughs> I'm not staying here. You know what I'm saying? Like, but shit like that happened all the time to me. Right. And a lot of stuff what we did, we did a lot of stuff. Like, you know, like, like we're kids. And right now, I, I, was, I, I was the other day driving, and I saw there, there was a kid. I don't know how to say the name, but well, we had so much beat with these dudes. You know, one of the kids was on the New York Post. So he, he, he was talking, man, shit, like, I'm the best crew. Fuck this. Fuck us. doing. 
we were under strength. Then he died. Then he, he, somehow he got hit by a car, uh, you know, and he died. And so we did a mural and and, uh, and, uh, and the MQ and Hawaii were like, let's go. And I was like, why? I said, ah, oh, God. So basically we put, he was a, he's there with a gun like this in the mural. So basically we made the gun into like a balloon, like a balloon. Then we put a, a, a bozo nose and a, a colored afro, like a clown on him. And, and and we wrote rest in hell, so shit like that. You know, like so how do you man, feel? How do you feel about that now? That that's pretty. That's pretty raw. How do you feel about that now? I was if so, imagine someone do that to my brother. I would fucking kill them. You know, like think about that. But that's part of the game. You know, they like they, they also wrote on Hoy's house. They didn't know where we lived, so they wrote on all three people's houses. Right. Yeah, it's a little, little different than how graffiti is now. For, I mean, I'm not involved with it anymore, but from what I can tell, it seems like it's a lot more like hipster now. That's what I'm saying. Like, uh, well, it's like the shows. When, when we used to go to shows, anything can happen going from Queens to Low East Side. Then after the show, coming back home, that's the worst part. You get, you get killed. Anyway, you get killed by the people uh, at the show. You get killed on the way to the, 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 the train station, and you definitely get killed on the train. You know what I mean? I went to high school with a couple of the guys who are like in the real early version of btm which oh, right. now i see like btm and dms together and i'm like wow i would have never if you asked me in like 1992 i would have never thought i'd see those two things together i went out to the west coast and started a chapter two chapters in the, in the bay area and then la you know what i mean so just so a lot of the guys from la like like hail and charm and these guys uh otr kids they, they, they do business with the BTM kids. You know, Santos right, right. right there, you know what, what it is. Yeah. Paulie, those guys, they're all good kids. Uh, hustle. So, like, you know what I mean? It's like Charlie Hustle. All those kids are good. So, shout out to BTM kids. You know, and all we're, we're friends with a lot of people, man. Like, we mingle and we do our thing. I mean, so that, that people understand stand that, like, the graffiti, that all brings from a subculture, but it's also like a whole fucking criminal element that fucking people know. You know yeah, it definitely is. So. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's, you know, part of the reason, like, I'm not a, obviously I'm not like a, a street guy and, you know, with graffiti, it got to a point where I was involved enough with it where it's like, well, if you want to get more involved with this, you need to be a street dude. And that's not me. And this time for me to tap out. So I got a friend, one of my best friends growing up, my partner in crime, JM, TMS, and and we, he used to be a slayer fan. He's, when I got put down, he got put down. And we used to be for everyone in the neighborhood. Then one day they came to his house and they caught him on the thing and put a gun to his head. And somehow he slipped away. Now he was like, that's it, bro. And now he's a, now he's a, he's a dean at a high school. <laughs> oh, wow. Good for him. Yeah, so we, got, we got dudes with us who are professors in college at NYU. Or, or social workers and lawyers. That's how we, that's how we do. You know what I mean? And we put the money into our people to do the right thing. Do you understand? Yeah. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
Hey everyone, this is Tuck from Fit for a King in Off-Road Minivan. Every week I bring you fun interviews alongside your favorite metalcore entertainers with my new podcast, Get Tucked. Join me every Monday with bands like Counterparts, Crystal Lake, like Moths to Flames, and many more. We play unsigned and undiscovered bands, deep dive into each artist's history, and of course provide the greatest breakdowns in current metalcore. Tune in to Get Tucked every Monday, out now through Sound Talent Media. But first, I want to thank DistroKid for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. If you're not familiar, DistroKid is a digital music distribution service that musicians use to put their music into online stores and streaming services. So in plain language, if you have ever wondered how to get your music on iTunes, Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube Music, Amazon, Deezer, Tidal, and many, many more, there's like dozens and dozens of different streaming services. DistroKid is the way to do it. It is super easy. I have used it to put my music on Spotify. It took me maybe five minutes to like set it up and upload everything. It's legitimately awesome. I am sincerely a fan of this company and their product. And for those of you who have asked, you can also upload your music to TikTok with DistroKid. And if you want a chance to get featured on DistroKid's Spotify playlists, You can do that by submitting a song through Spotlight and getting your fans to vote for you. You can also use Hyperfollow to get more Spotify followers. You can promote your new release as well as Spotify Canvas. That's where there's the video in the background in the player. And when you share it on Instagram, it shares that video too to make your Spotify release pop. And Spotify Canvas is available to all DistroKid artists. Like I said, as you can probably tell from this, like I am sincerely a fan of DistroKid. DistroKid can do everything I just talked about and so much more. So be sure to sign up with my link, which is in the show notes for this episode, to get 7% off your first year. That link is in the show notes of this episode or go to distrokid.com slash VIP slash the punk rock NBA. And thanks again to DistroKid for sponsoring this episode. One thing that I always thought was interesting about, you know, all you guys is that, you know, if you read, if you'd read the zines and stuff back in the day, Maximum Rock and Roll and whatnot, you know, DMS were like the worst people in the world. Well, they hated the older guys. They hated the Nazi front in those guys. They hated the dark world. Yeah, exactly. And then there's the smaller zines. Just you guys just had the worst, you know, reputation in the world. But then I met some of you guys, like when you lived in Cleveland and, you know, Madball would come through and stuff. And I was like, wait a minute, this isn't, this isn't what, like, these are like the nicest guys in the world. And I'm sure there's some people that you weren't so nice to, but you know, if you just come up and uh, meet any of you guys, you know, on the street, you guys are the nicest people in the world. And uh, that's when I started to realize like, oh, this is, I'm, I'm being lied to by all these basically like, I guess I would say like insecure nerds. You can't blame them sometimes. So what, what, what else are you going to do? It's like dudes on the internet. They're, they're, it's like Necro taught me this a long time ago. So this is the uh, f- first right there. It's funny. Necro taught me something. <laughs> so Necro, shout out to Necro. He was, one time I was like, I disable my comments on my videos because some of the stuff they say talk about my dead brother or some they say horrible some Jew white you know, some people even say like oh this dude's on meth I'm like meth what the fuck is there no one in New York City does meth what the fuck right, is wrong right. with you? the way I talk in my hands like if I do an interview I'm not gonna be high if I'm gonna be an interview like some interviews that they're smoking weed on tour whatever but they don't say this is the way I speak I know I I have a New York accent I'm, I, I sound crazy. 
But Neko told me is this. People will always hate on you, and the more the bigger you get, more successful, they will hate more and, and try to bring you down and try to bait you to say things. And so sometimes people say something. My girl stops me all the time, like, stop, just block them. I, I, it's, as a street dude, I'm like, yo, how do you even say that to someone? Like, a lot of these yeah. kids never got punched in the face. That's a problem. And the hide behind the thing, it's so bizarre. So Neko goes, listen, how many people have you beat down when you were younger? I was a street guy or whatever. Sure. He goes, how many people knocked out? So I said, I knocked out over 60 people. Okay? He goes like this. He goes, out of those people, people have cousins. How many, girl, how many girls you bang in the world? Okay? Now, they're, they're ex-girlfriends, or they're, girl, they're current girlfriend now. So they're mad. So they'll say something. And I was like, oh, shit. He goes, just let it go, man. It's hard for me. It's something I'm, work, I'm trying to work on, but it's hard for me. Man. I got feelings. As you know, I got feelings. Train up booze. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Well, I, I do think that, you know, on the one hand, when, you know, you guys and Madball and stuff got real big in the 90s, you know, on the one hand, that kind of made a lot of people want to emulate that lifestyle, which, you know, in hindsight, wasn't that cool. It's not your fault, but that kind of sucked. But on the other hand, I think it also kind of introduced an element that a lot of those people needed, which is like, they needed to learn that if you say the wrong thing to the wrong person, you're going to get punched in the face and you need to learn that that's a part of life. And like, you know, in especially like the 90s hardcore scene, nobody was going to punch you in the face for anything. <laughs> so, you know what I mean? Yeah. So everyone could just talk, 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 talk. And then there's people who come along. And I remember, you know, I remember this one guy at a show in Cleveland who I, I won't name, but uh, some kid was yapping to him. And, you know, eventually you could just tell he had enough of him. He's like, oh, if you don't like you don't like it, well, fight me. And the kid was like, well, I don't want to do that. So I guess I'm just going to leave. <laughs> and yeah, I was some, like, some, that some, kid some, just learned something. Yeah, you learn something. You always learn. There's so, listen, I tell people, there's always so much tougher than you. And it's right around the corner, bro. You know what I mean? Like, like, it's like, and you know, listen, it, it's like, if, if you have a problem with someone and it, and it has to escalate your fight, fight a fair one. Then let it break up and then, so shake hands. That's how I think about it. You know what I mean? But a lot of these people don't do that. Like calling people, like I had people prank my, my mother's house, calling my mother saying stuff. And then, then they wonder why the, the, the Ezek stories happened. Like because yeah. I told these guys, that's like over years, I said, I'm going to catch you one day. You keep, keep, keep on doing this, talking to fans. I don't even know who you are. I, I'm, I'm a different breed than you. And when I catch them, you hear what happens. I mean, yeah. I never started fighting my life. You know, I'm not a bully you know, ever. I, I, I actually, when I was younger, I loved beating down bullies. That was more something I used to do. And and you, you see these guys, some of these guys, a lot of these dudes, uh, a lot of these dudes, uh, when they leave the hardcore scene, back in the day, a lot of dudes left the hardcore scene to become ravers. Remember that? That was a weird yep. thing. And now a lot of hardcore guys become bikers and they yep. do their thing. It's just weird. You know, a whole, a they go a different way. I'm still in the scene. I'm still who I am. Yeah, it is interesting how, that's true. I've totally forgot about the ravers. <laughs> <laughs> It's true. But, you know, they dressed kind of the same, like the VOD kind of look. VOD at one point was one of the biggest bands on the East Coast. Like, like he had songs of Homeboy from Pantera. And that behind the VOD, like, was hard. We toured them, but the, the, yeah. the, was it Blood, Blood Simple? Was that the yeah. second one? Like, that, that was amazing music to me. They were great. I love Blood Simple, his other band. It was, it was like gothic fucking metal. And so it was like, you know, it was, it was cool. There's the slow songs. I like stuff like that, like 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 uh uh type of negative stuff like that. You mean so? It was cool. You know, Tim is such a fucking good vocalist too. He's God such damn, a good guy, good. man. He's a good guy. Yeah. So the next thing I think, well, you you probably had a lot of other things in between, but Ice Pick is the next thing I wanted to ask about, uh, which I think is one of the hardest records of all time. That album was fucking great, but 
it's really hard to find. Even back then, not that many people knew about it. Um, but you know, you're on a fucking you're on a song with Ice T. Yeah. How why right. why is Ice Pick like the lost project, and how did that kind of come about? At that time, uh, I was signed to Jamie Josh, and he was he had so many projects and doing the Stillborn records. He was going. This is like 2005 ish. Six, yeah, 2005, six. I was signed to Travis Barker doing my lab, my record, my EP. Then I got signed to, uh, you know, Hellcat Records with Tim Armstrong. But when I was doing the Ice Pick, it was always at the, when Jamie, Hatebreed uh, was so big at that time, was one of the biggest bands in the world. So I had a way to, that hit, all his stuff died out that we could do Ice Pick. And then when we did Ice Pick, it was like, Jamie, shout out to Jamie, I love you, Jamie. But Jamie would be like, for, I'll be like, you're four months. When we do Ice Pick, Ice Pick, let's do it. Then one day, uh, he'll call me. He goes, you got to drive to the studio in, in a snowstorm for five hours right now. And I'll drive in a snowstorm. And you, you only have uh, two hours to do your vocals. So I did my vocals for two hours with Zeus and left there. It was a drive. While Jamie did his vocals, like, going back and did it. It was crazy. So it was like, it happened like that. He was also doing Kingdom of Sorrow at the same time. At the same time. So me and Kurt from Crowbar would be at the same at the stillborn office and Jamie would leave us and we would be like he'd be like dude you guys stay here with me and Kurt would be like fuck that let's go get cocaine and go to the strip club you know what I mean and he would come into the strip club and grab us like little kids and take us out right, it, was right. it was a part of my life that was so insane that sounds like a Jamie move yeah so it was so insane but you know what the, the music was fucking amazing Jamie's yes. a great 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 musician lyricist and songwriter and fucking Zeus is one of the best producers. Yep. So, well, how can I go wrong? How can we go wrong? And that was uh, Frank playing guitar in that? Is that right? It was, uh, no, no, Wayne, Wayne. Oh, it was Wayne, okay. Yeah, he was in Hatebreed. He was in Hatebreed. He, he was out Oh, already. I didn't know that. No, he started Hatebreed. They kicked him out for a long time, and he went back in after that. <laughs> oh, I didn't know that. There we go. Well, why did that album not get more attention? Because it's so fucking good. I, I think that J Joshua focuses everything on his breadwinner which which is you have to like people don't understand yeah. that and he was doing headbangers ball then too yeah he went straight for you know hey priest always a machine and it has to be oiled and ready to go so he, yeah it's cool to do that but he's like oh i gotta get back to what what, what, what the whole my whole world's about you know what I mean? gotcha it's not even on spotify but that might be good because you probably get canceled for that stuff these days i know yes yeah, so, and i see did did the song with us but and I remember I bumped into Ice T in, in Pennsylvania Place show, and he it was like it was like uh, after 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 show, and I was like uh, I was there, I was like Freeway was there, Beanie Siegel, Freeway, and all these people. So he walked in the room, and Beanie, and Beanie Siegel, Freeway, yo, Ice, Ice. He goes, hold on one second. And he turned around, and he goes, yo, Diablo, and hugged me, and they were bugging. All, and I had all my all my kids were all from Queens, all Puerto Rican. They were like, wait, and right. we ran the whole shit. They were bugging. And Ice T came out, and it was. With his wife, and it watched my whole set. You know, and it, was, it gave me mad respect. And now I say I talk all the time, and it's just love. And, and for me, an OG like that really like like looking to me and know what I'm doing. He's like, I'm like, oh shit, we do the same thing. Like, we rap and we do uh, hard music. That's true. Not that, many, not that many people do that. You know what I mean? That's we right. do it. You know what I mean? And, and I always love I see man. I, it's just something that. I was really influenced by IC. Like I'm influenced by IC, Mike Muir, shit like that. You know what I mean? Like, like I really yeah. spoke to me when I was young. Good Cro-Mags. I mean, so I'm happy, bro. Yeah, I'm happy. Yeah, yeah. It's a great record. You gotta whoever owns that, you gotta get them to put it on Spotify because uh, Spotify I, I and, and, and vinyl. People want the vinyl. They always ask me, do it on vinyl. 
That too, yeah. So the other band, which I didn't learn about until I was researching this, but was uh, very good, is Death Star Inferno. What happened with that? Oh, my God. So listen, <laughs> listen. three years I've been working. So uh, Stefan, the old drummer from Kickback. So years ago, like 98, he was uh, he, he he got my number. He, he was in the United States. He's German, but he Kickback was from France. And he hit me up and he was like, hey, I talked to him. He, goes, he gave me his number. He goes, I want to call you to do, a, do this uh, project. I forgot what it's called. But I said, all right. So. He called the house, but I I got I got caught up for an attempted murder charge, and I was locked up for for a few weeks. So basically, I never got the phone call. But my, the people at, my, at the Starhead House, thirty one forty, they were like, "Yo, this guy called," and I forgot about it. Years later, he hits me up in 2017, 18, 2018, Hits me up thirteen years later or something. Yes, he <laughs> me, flies me out to Miami with me and my lady. He's like, I want to do this thing. I want to work with you. I was like, it was like a weird business thing. Put me up at a, 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 a Palazzo Hotel, whatever. Like, it was like, it was, a, it was dope. You know? So I was like, yo, I'll do it. So we, we did a demo we, and we put it out. And now we just did a video like a month ago. And we're putting a video out for Violent oh, by okay. Design. So we're going to do a video for all three songs that you get. I go to DeathStarInferno.com. Those three songs will have videos this year. So if you want some heavy shit from heavy uh, from shit. Danny, it's like, it's like it's like Machine Head, but it's hard. So it's heavier than that. It's good. Yes, yes. Thank you so much. My my, my girlfriend always says like, "Yo, that's Inferno is really good." And, and the thing is crazy. My cadence is like a metal cadence. It's way different than the hardcore. And I'm very proud and happy about this project. Oh, I'm excited to I'm excited to see the video. Definitely send it to me. Uh, I want to check it out. Uh, I got you, brother. I got you. Well, speaking of 3140, I really liked that Scarhead. I guess it's a demo, or I don't know what it was, but those few Scarheads. 2001, a Thug Odyssey. Did that ever officially come out? I, I put it out on myself. Uh, when I went when I tour, I put it out again with Scarhead stuff. I lived in California on Ill Rock on a you know, CD. But the thing is, when we do the Scarhead full length, we're going to do uh, 3140 over again. Really, uh, Redo it. Live, yeah. And uh, right now, we're recording right now for uh, Scarhead. And uh, we just finished all the music. And I'm going to Milwaukee on February 8th to do finish the vocals. Uh, the, the name of the EP we're doing on Force 5 Records is called Generators of Violence. <laughs> That's a good name. Yeah, so, yeah. So I'm doing that. It's on Force 5 Records. They signed us. The DRP who owns Force 5 Records, he's my manager also. So that's he does, he's also partnered with me doing my clothing line. So this pandemic really fucking made me, my career, my everything went amazing. And I'm happy. I, I'm, a lot of people couldn't even deal with it. Like, I'm yeah. getting work and work, features, videos. You know I mean? So I'm happy, bro. But Scarhead Records, it's like drugs, money, sex. It's like the EP. Okay. How many songs is that like? four or five songs or something that you guys did back then? No, we did. It was three songs. It was three, uh, songs. Okay. three songs and two skits. And we did. Right, uh, right, right. Soldier, we love sniffing yeah. blow. Shot yeah. Shot my <laughs> on the mirror, right. baby. We're gonna, we'll probably do that too. <laughs> okay. I thought that was one of the most like creative kind of things to come out of the hardcore scene like ever. I mean, that was just such a, I, I don't even know how I got those songs, but that was just, <laughs> you know, cause it yeah. was like, it was hard to find, but I got them somehow. And I just thought that was one of those like original, cool things to come out of the hardcore scene to this day. You just made my whole year. You made my whole year because a lot of people don't know about that. 
And when you want to hear a story, I can make you rap right now. So when we did it, I was so proud at the time because I paid for that demo, my my own money. I was selling drugs at the time. So, yeah. <laughs> so I was like, yo, I was like, I was like, yo, this is some real shit. <laughs> you know what I'm I, I, I flipped it and it was like $2,500 to go to the studio. I was like, I got yeah. this myself, guys. I had a, a BMW. I was like, let's do this. And we had Puerto Rican Mike as my sidekick, and, he, and he's no matter what he, he was he was never on a, anything on the vocals. Like like no matter what people say, Puerto Rican Mike is the best vocalist I ever had next to me in Scarlet. He's great, one of the best. He's a, so he's much a energy. Mike. Yes, he's like so so good on stage too. Like so oh, much. One like... of the, one of the, but yo, know, people understand he's like that twenty four seven. Drunk and fucking crazy, and we fighting stabbings. It was like. Yeah. It's like bringing the Bronx in the van. So like, it, it got too much. But I love him. He's amazing. But it was like, so I remember when we went to studio, I was so proud. Adam from Lords of Brooklyn uh, helped us out. But Dean Rispa is produced it. And Dean Rispa, you know, worked, played guitar for Crown Thorns at one time, played, played right. for Cameron okay. Black. Because my, my friend uh, Jesse mixed that. So yeah, Jesse he, mixed you know, it with Jesse. But yeah, what, what's, okay. his, he had the, what's his band? The famous band. Uh, uh, well, he did. I mean, he worked with like The Cure and Limp Biscuit and shit. I don't know yeah. which one you mean, but I mean, he well, Jesse was, a, Jesse's a great guy, bro. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's a very good friend of mine. So when we did the, the 20, 31, 40, all that, all those crazy songs, I was so proud. So I'm in the car. I drive up. I see Hoya and Madball on the lower side. And they have their shit. They're Madball at the time. So I was yeah. like, oh, let me hear shit. And I was like, oh, shit's dope. So I let them hear the new Scarhead. And, and Madball was, uh, uh, Hoya was playing, played bass for us in Europe in 2002. Or 2002. So I was like, listen to the new Scarhead. And they looked at me and they're like, all right. I was like, fuck <laughs> you guys. Yo, it, it crushed me. I was like, why are you niggas hating on me? Yo, yo. And I remember driving away with DJ Kai's and uh, Puerto Rican Mike was like, yo, fuck those niggas. They, they, they were hating on us. And, 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 but they were our best friends. You know what I mean? So I, yeah, yeah. I, I was like, it was so dope that they hated on me. <laughs> When I heard that, I was like, wow, this is like, this is like the evolution of Murphy's Law to me. Yo, thank you, bro. I tell people all the time that, uh, you know, in our scene, that there will never be, my, my Jimmy G, Murphy's Law is, is the best hardcore band, entertainer, he can sing, yeah. but his personality is beyond it. He's like, no one can control crowd like him. So yeah. I always say, who they like, who's the best singer? They're like, of course, HR is one of the best singers in the world. Jimmy Williams is best, is amazing voice. A Richie Underdog, amazing voice. Into Another's amazing. Bob Beats from Black Hand Jack, great voice. Those are, yep. the, those are the guys, that are the, and Eddie Leeway, best five in New York hardcore. You know what I mean? Oh, man, it was just so insane. You know I mean, it's like all those, our scene is so... So much talent, but also yeah. so much pain and hurt, and people got caught on drugs and stuff like that, and destroyed their their lives, and and a lot of them bounced back. But it was like the drugs and uh, the, the the way the wearing your heart in your sleeve really fucked the New York hardcore scene. I always say this: the New York hardcore scene. They, I, always, a, I say that the reason why I never made it big and the other guys made it big, the New York hardcore curse, and, and it's kind of true. Listen, it's true. He can't dispute it, and they get mad at me. These guys. I said Murphy's Law was on tour with with Reese Royce and and, and fucking and uh, Fishbone, and it never blew up. Right? New York Curse. Quicksand went on tour. Biggest thing in the world. Best band in the world. Went on tour with uh, uh, the guy from Epitaph. Keep us separated. The, 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 yeah, the, yeah, the Offspring. And Offspring. 
never ever. It's like even Prong for the big right. we just right. Tommy Victor, but they were they're like, oh Tom, Prong is opening up for Ozzy tonight. No one cares. You know, like, like, right. Yeah, <laughs> right. you know, it's like Sid is opening up for, for Kiss. Match quick on. No one cares. You know, the Kiss call you a sellout. You know, what I mean? so it's a curse. Always a New York hardcore curse. Would you include Biohazard in that, or would you call them like Hell hardcore yeah. adjacent? Okay. No, they're, they're, they're How big were they? Were Biohazard was so big they were torn. What was the biggest metal bands? They, like yeah. Pantera, the, the dudes. Everyone loved Biohazard. They're the only band. That 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 opens up a Slayer and held their own with Slayer to me. Right. And, 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 I listened to Urban Discipline for the first time in a couple of years, and I was like, man, no wonder this band got so much bigger. They're fucking great. Hard, hard, and that's what. They, and 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 they were they, everyone was just big, but the New York hardcore curse, like Mayday, Mayday, it's over. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting, like following all those bands, you know, through the years and stuff. I feel like maybe around like it's like maybe like 96 to 98 or so was like the peak of of all those bands, like from your generation. And they were so much better than everybody else. I mean, how good like everybody loves Marauder now, like and, and they should because Marauder is fucking incredible. But nobody outside. I remember Century Media sent me that to review in 96 when it came out. Nobody gave a shit about that album back then. No. And the guitars were amazing. The drums, they were like, the vocals, his vocals. It's a masterpiece. Like, it sounded like, like Pete Steele for Carnival, his voice, the first album. It was like, yeah. yo, it was, listen, listen, like, I grew up with Jorge. You know what I mean, another, you know, it's like, like Jorge and I don't really talk anymore, but you know, we grew up together. You know what I mean? So, yeah. and, and we were really close at one time. And the dude, New York Curse, like, he, Jorge was, was supposed to sing for Sepultura before Derek. Right. And went out there and he's just, and when they start talking, he's like, "I'll fuck this guy," but he really he did he act like a like a broken asshole. So right. they're like, "No, we can't do that." New, New York, right there, New York hardcore curse. He's like one of the first ones. Yeah, and they're like, "Get out of here!" So it's like, saying, like like so much talent, but maybe people who weren't necessarily just they just didn't come from the background where they knew what to do with that talent when they got the opportunity. Well, you know, check this out. This is what the funny thing. When I moved to LA. I understood why the LA bands and all the punk rock bands, the older guys, Greg Berlitz, went from front of yeah. Epitaph. I understood why the Vandals, all the, why these guys, uh, no effects, are on their dope. You know why they're dope? Because their, their, their parents already lived, li was part of the music industry or the, or the Hollywood film industry. So they, right, so right, right. Uh, guys like Sheer Terror, Murphy's Law, uh, Nazi Front, Sick of It All, they all, bands are big. Their, their, their parents are fucking work for the sanitation or fucking right. a cop or, or, or work in the, in the hospital. Meanwhile, these guys' parents are, are lawyers for fucking Led Zeppelin or something. So they get so they get the better contracts. Their, their father's like, I try to outdo the other father. Well, I'm going to get the best. You know what I mean? So they, they're already in the business. If you talk to someone like Jorge or whoever else, like trying to think of, I, I, I want to say this in a way that doesn't sound disrespectful at all, but like yeah, no. they don't sound... That's the right way to put it. Like that's why Sylvester Stallone ran a project. Yeah, yeah. But you put them in a meeting with a bunch of like slick entertainment industry people, and they don't talk the way that those people want you to talk. Let's put it that way. I'm gonna tell you a story right now that made it, it's so crazy. Even if 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 you, you if I would take uh, uh, speech lessons and sp to speak to like uh, to enunciate my words and speak to like uh, calm and everything, it's still yeah. stigmatism with people with me. Yeah. I remember one time, it's just a true story. So I'm going to tell you, you get the whole 
the whole thing right now. When I get signed to an Epitaph, I did the International Hawkeye Superstar. And my, I remember that my ex-wife was pregnant with my son. And I was like, ready to go on tour. And this was before 2009, I think, whatever. This was when, uh, when everything was digital. It started to go over to digital sales and everything. So I didn't yeah. understand what the digital release was different than the physical release. So I didn't understand anything. So I lived a few blocks from Epitaph. So I was like... So, so no one give me, they, they fucked everything up on my thing. I don't know what it was. You know, it wasn't Tim Armstrong. Tim Armstrong is a great person, but you know that Tim Armstrong is not sitting there running the label. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. Yes, he just has running. like his imprint, but he's not. Yeah, he's running you know. it. So Tim yeah. was like, I, I, I couldn't reach Tim. He's on tour. I didn't want to bother him. So I asked the guy, he goes, I don't know. He went and answered my phone. So I went down to Epitaph with uh, with the DMS, some of the DMS brothers, they're all essays. You know, so we went in there. Like 12 of us. You know, just, just listen, the second I walked in, I was like, Cash walked to so and so. You know, everyone at Epitaph was bugging. Like, I, like, I had like, no no guns, no, it was just me. Is that the reaction you wanted, or you? No, no, no. I just, uh, I did what Bob Marley would have done. Bob Marley used to do it all the time. He said, run up to the record label and give him my royalty. So, I, my thing is, like, you, you know, answer my phone calls. Uh, I got a uh, I got a pregnant woman yelling at me what's going sure. on. Yeah. Like I walked in with them and I was like, you guys stay here. I want to go see. But the second, I think the guy from Converge was there, I think. So he worked uh -huh. there. So the second I went and picked everyone was hitting <laughs> the, the, the machine for lunch. <laughs> so I called him outside. I was like, yo, what's up? He's like, he's like, I'm sorry. I was like, I was like, I'm not mad at you. I just want to know why it didn't work. He goes, I don't know. So this is what happened. I think I did Don't You Want Me Baby cover for the Human League. And all of a sudden, uh, we did a big video for it and everything. The video was, uh, we got only $15,000, uh, what's that called, money fronted to us? To, yeah. to do, uh, you know, a, a budget? The advance, yeah. So when I did the video, it was a big, videos were big money back then. So yeah. whatever, they said, they said, oh shit, they printed up 15,000 CDs and everything. Human League called up. And said they didn't like my character. They went season six. So, so, so check this out. So imagine I'm like, first of all, I love the human league. That hurt me. So that's yeah. I'm like, I'm gonna punch this fucking English motherfucker in the face when I see him. So whatever. And the only reason why they did it, and I was like, why are they doing this? Human uh, human league signed a deal with Swiffer. Remember? Don't. Oh yeah, league. yeah. So how you have right, this guy? That's right. That's right. Yo, and they, they they were right. I was I was all crazy looking. Whatever. Gang member. But yeah. the thing is, like, it hurt me so bad. The, law, the lawyers on uh, uh, Epitaph were supposed to make sure everything was good for that thing. So they, they, they had to destroy like 15,000 CDs. Oh, man. No, I went into the garbage and grabbed them all. But, so, yeah. but it, 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 it hurt me. Like, no one told me this. You guys messed up. Like, what happened? And now, now I couldn't do a video. I had to take the, do another video of uh, Give Me a Chance. Which was cool, but take the, the video for that, it didn't make sense to put it together. You I mean like right. and it killed the momentum? And I was like, yo, what's going on? We know what Tim did? Tim Armstrong called me up and goes, I'm gonna pay for your, your rent for three months. And paid out his own pocket, pay my rent. And yo, thank you, Tim Armstrong, because a you know, record label would never do that for you. So Tim's a good person, right? Well, that's pretty cool. I mean, that's uh that's why he's Tim. Yeah, but it was it it, it, it hurt me more than anything. That's what like once Usually, like stuff when when people get violent or worked up, it hurt me, man. I was like, yo, because I thought I, I was like, oh man, in my mind, in my little mind, I was, I was like, yo, this mo the motherfucking Limp Bizkit one, 
did a George Michael uh, Faith. You mean it got right. big alien farm did other song. So I was like, oh, I did Don't You Want Me Baby. It was dope. It was amazing. And I can't and I they can't use it. I thought they had to give you like a compulsory license. I didn't think they I didn't realize. Yeah, and, and also it, I found out that you you can use it in Europe. They they met, they oh. dropped the ball. You know, like it, like you could do covers in like in like a suit in Europe. So they could that Epitaph was in Europe. You know, they could have dropped it in Europe. Yeah. Yeah. So that's so it just hurt me that no one was on the ball and they had no more money for me. And I didn't mean I, I you know what? I never seen any money from it. Well, this is the kind of shit that happens behind the scenes all the time that people, you know, don't know about and you know, sometimes even like the artists don't know about it. Like you wouldn't have known about it unless you no. showed up. No, you know? no, no. And, and, and you know what's you know what's funny? I went to the the Rev the Re Revelation Festival. <laughs> Yeah, in California, I walked in. And Dave Stein is a good friend of mine, and I walked in. What's up, guys? And they were, and all they were just quiet. And like, yo, did you put one of the guys from, from uh, Epitaph in the trunk? I was like, yo, you guys get the whole thing. We all, they all laughed. I said, like, oh, real funny, guys. And I was like, yo, but it's just a joke. It's like a joke if you know me. Like, I was like, no, you guys are crazy. But it's funny. Yeah. You know? The folklore is crazy in old stories, so it makes you laugh. People, people, people love that stuff. Well, last question for you. Uh, sure. From watching these interviews you've done in the past couple of years, it seems like, you know, you're not like a different person or anything, but it does seem like your head is in maybe a little bit of a different place than it used to be. Yeah. What, where do you see yourself heading in the next, you know, 10 years or something like that? You know what? I, I did the, I did the ill rock records and it was, and I pushed a lot of like underground artists. I, I gave them a platform and a lane to do. Then I did E-Train records, which I put out concrete dream with my label with Don Caprio. Uh, and then these guys sound like a POD rap rock, and they're dope. These kids are, and, and uh, that's cool. You know what I mean, I don't know if I want to do the record label thing anymore, but I, but you know, I'm happy being an artist and on Force Five, which you know, manager and doing my thing here and there. But I'm really focusing, like you said, I'm I'm gonna focus this whole year. Uh, uh, I'm writing a movie called Saint Mike's Park, and the movie is, is going to happen. It's going to be like a like a horror drama. Thing, but it's different. I'm doing like you know how Rob Zombie did the, the, the crazy horror movies, yeah. and they and they kill the people for no reason. You know, like you know people love Charles Manson stuff. Yeah, I'm I, I'm not like that guy. Like like I don't wear Charles Manson shirt because he killed people. The, the, the innocent, he fucking the, murdered pregnant murdered. Women. Like I told Necro one day, why was that? That was your grandmother that killed, and I wore shirts. Oh, no, yeah. Cool. So my thing is about it's gonna be halfway real, halfway whatever, but it's gonna be about me. And my crew, I mean, and it's supposed to be when I'm older, and I got to save my niece. And I, me and my crew, the guys, we go all the way to Virginia, and we kill the fucking hillbillies. That's it. <laughs> so yes, I'm doing. Right. So I'm, gonna, I'm gonna start doing movies, uh, and uh, I'm gonna act more. So and I'm gonna do the reality show. So I, I'm gonna do more of. And plus, even with my videos and stuff, I'm doing this week. I'm doing. Uh, I have a, a, a group called Spick. There's me, Joe Fado, Joe Fado. Was on live at the barbecue with Nas. He, him and Nas came out together. He's the first Puerto Rican rapper from Queens. You know what I mean? He's like, you know, you know like Joe Fatal and Big Lito, uh, my boy. Uh, uh, my, these three, we, we're street guys. We know each other. We have a group called Spank. He's Dominican, Puerto Rican, and Puerto Rican. So we're doing. I'm, I'm not allowed to say the name. You can say the name of it. I can't. Bags, <laughs> people in control. Say that. So we're doing. Uh, we we're, do, we're doing a video in Philly this weekend. So it's cool. Like, and it's just real straight hip hop. You know, I still got the. My rap style is very hardcore punk influence, and that's how that's what it is. You know what I mean I don't try to be anything else. I, I'm what I am. So, but that we're doing that, and that's coming out this year. I got GLD Casket Company, 
which is uh, me, this guy called Chubb Rock. Oh, okay. I remember him. Chubby God from, from Long Island. Oh, I thought you meant treat him right. No, no. no <laughs> Chubby God from Long, <laughs> from Long Island and the Lord Jewish. So basically, I take all my stuff from the Wild Incident, Ice Pick, Starhead, all my stuff, Death Star, and I sample it and make hip hop beats. So that's oh, that sounds cool. Yeah, it's cool. But yeah, I want to do acting, bro. I want to do the acting more. I think you should do that. I think that's a good place for you. I want to be like Vin Diesel and Danny Trejo put together. I think you can do it. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, Vin. Cool. Well, uh, I will let you get on with the rest of your night, uh, but I appreciate it and uh, always happy to help however I can. Yo, Vin, thank you so much. All right, my friends, that does it for this episode of the podcast. If you made it this far, thank you. Thank you for listening. We sincerely appreciate each and every one of you. If you want to help the show, there's a couple things that you can do. First of all, share it on social media. If you share it, tag us, tag Finn McKenty, that's me, and tag Deanna Chapman, that's a producer. Second thing you can do, if you really, really, really love us and really want to support us, you can support us on Patreon. There's a link to that in the show notes. You can leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you're listening to this, or you can do none of that, and you can just sit at home thinking about how awesome this podcast is. That works too. Again, thank you very much to each and every one of you for listening. We sincerely appreciate it, and we'll see you next time. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Well, hey friends, my name is Zach Lupiton. You may know me from the band Dust Bowl Revival, but I also host a music discovery podcast called The Show on the Road. For the last five seasons, I've been able to dive deep and have intimate chats with folks like the Lumineers, Andy DeFranco, Wolfpack, Keb Moe, Lake Street Dive, Bela Fleck, and more. So guess what? After 150 conversations with some of my favorite songwriters from around the world, we are bringing brand new episodes to the Osiris Network. New interviews and intimate acoustic performances will be coming at you this summer. And which episodes are coming next, you ask? I am Zach Goody, the lead singer for the band Smash Mouth. Our band is called Milky Chance. We are based in Berlin. My name is David Shaw. I sing and write songs with my band, The Revivalists. Trust me, these conversations go some wild places. So subscribe to the show on the road on Osiris, and we'll see you soon. Again.